0: Good morning. Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Related Happy New Year to everyone. I appreciate everyone being here this morning online. I appreciate Ted leaving our singing. Kyle is at home under the weather, but he's getting better, and we look forward to having him back as well. And if you are busy with us, you have honored us with your presence today. As we begin this message from Romans 12, would you go with me to our Father in prayer? Father, it is always good to be in your presence. We pray, Father, that you would help us to be more devoted to you in this upcoming year than we've ever been in our entire lives. May we be moved by your words of encouragement, of inspiration, of hope, of mercy, of grace. And Father, we thank you for Romans chapter 12. It tells us so much about the kind of life that you want us to live. Help us not just to ponder it with intellectual curiosity, but help us, Father, to to live these words in our lives. Help us to reflect Jesus in everything that we say and do. This is our prayer in his name, amen. Therefore, therefore, James, therefore, Shaylee, therefore, Kaylee, therefore, Bobby, and you probably are thinking, therefore, What? What is therefore, therefore? And that's how this chapter begins, Romans chapter 12. If you haven't already opened to Romans chapter 12, I appreciate Ray reading that. It begins with the word therefore. And that's where our journey will begin, not only today, but through the next three Sundays as we go through the month of January, focusing on what it means to live a life that is pleasing to God. Now I have to confess to you on a personal note that Romans chapter 12 has always been in one of my very favorite chapters in the Bible. In fact, I was a little bit amused when when Ted pointed out in the song, More Holiness Give Me, I think that was the song we just sang, that there were 24 different things. Well, Romans 12 has 50 different exhortations, 50 different, if you will, bullet points that really are underscoring what it means to live this Amazing life that is pleasing to God. But what is it? Why does he begin with therefore? Really, you can go back to the previous verses in Romans chapter 11 and see where he's coming from because I don't know how many times you've heard it, but have you heard people say things like, well, you know, the Bible says that God moves in mysterious ways. You heard that before? God moves in mysterious ways. Sorry, it's not in the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't move in mysterious ways, but this is the closest that you will find in scripture that would say that God moves in mysterious ways. In Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 37. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Romans chapter 12 is a transition chapter. It is a transition from teaching about what God has done and continues to do for his people, transitioning to now what God expects from his people. We like to dwell on what he's done we enjoy that part of it now when we move into the part of expectation that's going to require a little bit more focus a little more discipline a little more thought on our part and so these first two verses in romans chapter 12 where we could really spend the next four weeks easily and not become weary with what he's challenging us to do but these first two verses kind of set the table as paul is challenging us to live lives that are holy and pleasing to God. And after these first two verses and what we're gonna see the next three weeks is he's gonna kind of paint a very clear picture for us of what that looks like. What does it look like to live a holy life? I wish it was just enough to say being here from 10 to 11 on Sunday is what it looks like and nothing more. I would vote for that all day long and so would you. But that's not what he's gonna be emphasizing here. In fact, it's interesting, when I was talking to Ted about leading the singing this morning and some of the songs, and, and I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but I said specifically, please do not lead the song, Take Time to Be Holy. Because that makes it sound like we have the option to pick out certain hours and certain days of the week to be able to be holy. Just take time to be holy, and then go ahead and do whatever you want the rest of the week. And that's not what God has in mind at all, Well, that's being holy people. It's not a place or a time, but it's, it's every day, everywhere, with everyone, what it means to be holy and pleasing to God. The first 11 chapters of Romans is, is great for like um, a podcast. It's great for like a, a class on theology at a Christian college. I remember as a student at Oklahoma Christian, having a class entitled Great Christian Doctrines. It was actually one of my favorite classes. It was really awesome. And some of it came from the first first 11 chapters of Romans. The problem was that it, it tickled my intellectual curiosity and it really made me kind of contemplate and meditate, but it really didn't do a whole lot for me as far as how I was living my life day to day. It wasn't like do unto others as you have them do unto you or, or the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love or serve one another or let your light so shine before men that may see you good deeds. It wasn't those kind of practical suggestions. There was a lot of this theology and I don't mean to undermine that at all. That is an extremely important part of the Christian life. In fact, Paul would tell Timothy, who he was mentoring, he said, now Timothy, you need to watch your life. That's what Romans 12 is going to be and you need to watch your doctrine closely. That's the first 11 chapters of Romans. And so in chapter 12, we're gonna find out what it means to live this practical, day-to-day, Christ-like life. As we enter into this new year, 2022, we need to be about letting our light shine before men. We need to be about declaring the praises of him who has called us from darkness into light. And here's where we really need to find great comfort and consolation. He doesn't say to be able to really impact your world, you need to be able to read the New Testament in Greek. He doesn't say to really impact your world, you need to be able to have perfect pitch when you sing, and if you don't, don't sing. He doesn't say, if you really want to impact the world, you need to be able to preach like anybody that you've ever ever heard before and even do it better than that person. He doesn't say that at all. These are very small requests, you might say. Small things that he's suggesting to us that can make a difference. I'll give you a personal example, just a personal one. And you have related this as well, but... My uh, son's brother-in-law got COVID. He lives in Chicago, he came down with COVID. Well, I, I started just texting. I texted almost every day, nothing different than what you would have done, just to find out how he's doing. Well, he's all better now and everything, but my son told me the other day, he says, boy, John just thought it was just so amazing and so awesome that you'd be texting me every day. And I'm thinking, that was no big deal. And that's my point. It wasn't a big deal for me, but it was for him. It's amazing how small acts of kindness can make such a difference in people's lives. And church, if there's anything I know about you as a family, you have a servant's heart. And God is going to give us opportunities this year to do just that. You have a heart for people. You have a heart for those who have needs because you always fill them. And so I really hope that Romans chapter 12 is going to help reinforce this tone that we have as a church. A lot of things are going to be happening this year. We're probably going to be getting a full-time preacher. We're probably going to be looking at some different things that have to do with our facilities and a lot of other different kind of things. But the key is how we are embracing teachings from Romans chapter 12. So it's interesting that when Paul begins, he says, Therefore... Based on all these amazing things that God has done for us, therefore based on just how amazing he is as our God, I urge you. He doesn't say I strongly suggest or I hope against hope or I'm wondering if. He says I urge you. There is is a certain sense of expectation, obviously urgency there. There is, that's a a strong suggestion. I wanna urge you, I wanna make sure that you're not putting this on the back burner, that you just think about it periodically. But I want to implore you, I want to exhort you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So the very first thing he says is, based on anything else that I'm gonna write to you in this chapter, I want you to know that if you will just consider God's mercy, If you will just reflect on God's mercy and what that means to you and how that has changed the way you live your life, then everything that follows, you're going to say, he's worthy of it. He's earned it. He deserves it. That's a natural response that I should have because of his mercy in view of God's mercy. And the first 11 chapters, as I've been suggesting, highlights These amazing blessings that He has poured out on on us as mankind. Because you see, there is a, a huge difference between having pity and having mercy. It's one thing to pity someone because maybe they don't have anything to eat. But mercy is doing something about it. And so God doesn't just pity us because we all sin and fall short of His glory. But when you look at those first 11 chapters and you see some of these amazing blessings that he has poured on on us as his creation, then you understand why Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. And that's why he says, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Because let me tell you about some of these mercies. In Romans five, we have peace with God through Jesus. In Romans five, eight, God demonstrates his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. In Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And it goes on and on and on, these amazing blessings that God has showered upon us because of his mercy. All spiritual blessings are found in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So what I would submit to you, what I would ask you to ponder, what I would ask you to think about is what blessings has the world poured out on you that can even remotely compare with any of His blessings? Or they pale into insignificance. If we really step back and look at the big picture, it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day And certainly the elephant in the room are the things that we're having to deal with day to day with the virus and other issues. But in the big picture, God against the backdrop of eternity is showering blessings upon us that enable us to stay above the fray. That remind us again that, that submitting our lives to him, living holy and pleasing lives to him is the constant that always makes a difference. Because when we understand what God's mercies are, and God's will is for our lives, we understand that he always brings out the best in us. He always brings out the best in us, which gives him glory. And so because of these mercies, the first thing he says is he says, because of God's mercies, because of what he has done and continues to do, first 11 chapters of Romans, he says, I expect total commitment. I want total commitment. Look at Romans chapter 12. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The first thing he says when you think about God's mercies, you should be more than willing to say, I want to offer my body as a living sacrifice. That is total commitment. That is not a particular day of the week, or particular time, or particular place. That is everywhere, all the time, in every situation. Paul says it kind of like this in Romans chapter six, verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you will obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as instruments of righteousness. So I want you to notice this sacrifice that he's talking about. And, and I will confess that when I, when I looked at this and when I, and I've looked at this in the past and, and I've seen him talking here about, well, this is a, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It's always been normal for me to think, well, yeah, he's trying to make a point here. He's trying to contrast the sacrifices that were made in the Old Testament that were always sacrifices of animals and things like that. Those were things that were dead. To contrast it to us being a living sacrifice, and I'm not saying that that's not really what his point is. But I think there's another underlying message here that also is critical for us to understand. And it also comes kind of from the Greek about this idea about a living sacrifice. He's saying also, you could also say it this way, I want you to be a sacrifice that is alive. In other words, that is filled with the spirit, that it is is—it is obvious that you are enthusiastic, that you are wanting to live God's life to the full it is an alive experience it is not like a funeral dirge but that you are filled with the spirit and he's going to talk more about what that zeal looks like later on in Romans chapter 12 but not only does he say that it is alive but he says it is also holy and pleasing to God the reality is this we are all pleasers we are every one of us Some of us are into pleasing ourselves. Some of us are into pleasing family, neighbors, coworkers, classmates at school. We're all pleasers to some degree. And God says, I want you to be holy and pleasing to me. Because the one assurance we have is when we are in God's word, If we understand what it means to be holy and pleasing to him, as I mentioned earlier, it will always bring out the best in us. It will always enable us to have an impact for good on the lives of other people. You see, the word holy, we know the word holy means to be set apart. But set apart for what? What, Set apart to be in a church building on Sunday? Oh, that would just be so... Demeaning to God to think that being set apart means to be sitting in a church building on Sunday morning as wonderful as it is to be here with you And I wouldn't want to be anyplace else But it means so much more Than that when he says set apart What he means is that we are set apart that we are reserved To give glory to God that he is worthy of our complete devotion To live a holy life is to live a life that acknowledges that God is worthy of our complete devotion every day, in every circumstance. That's what it really means to be holy. Peter says, be holy as I am holy about God. God would say, be holy as I am holy. God is set apart. He's above all, but he has such an intense interest in us. And we reciprocate by saying, God, we have an intense interest in you too. We want to give you more than just an hour on Sunday. We want to be holy and pleasing to you all of the time. We're not going to get into the entire story, but I would invite you to read it in 2, Timothy, in 2 Samuel rather, chapter 24, and especially in verse 24, talking about this living sacrifice, talking what it means to be totally committed to him. Ted led the song, All to Jesus, I surrender, surrendering our lives to him. It's an interesting story where David has sinned, King David has sinned against God. And God has basically said, you know the story, God has basically said, okay, you're right, David, you've sinned. I'm going to give you the ability to choose what the punishment will be. And he gives him three choices, and you can go read 2 Samuel 24 and see what those choices are. But what I find interesting about it is after David has selected the one that brings a plague upon the people, a lot of people are dying, David finally resolves that he needs to go and make a sacrifice to God. He needs to offer a sacrifice to God to see if God will change his mind about what is taking place. And there's a man by the name of Arunah. It's not even close to how that name is supposed to be. Just call him R. And so this man by the name of R hears about what David wants to do. Hears about the sacrifices, the animal sacrifices and the uh, grain sacrifices that, that he wants to make. And so Ar, Arunah, he wants to help David out. And he says, I will give you this. I will give you these sacrifices to make. And I want you to listen to what David says. But the king replied to Arunah, no, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. You see, a sacrifice without cost is not a sacrifice at all. David wasn't going to accept a gift to be able to make a sacrifice to God. He says it needs to cost something. What is the cost that we're willing to pay? What is the sacrifice that we're willing to make as a church in this upcoming year, collectively and individually? What will that cost be that we're willing to pay? The fact of the matter is, God wants us to worship him with all our being. He desires for us to be worshipers in spirit and truth, John chapter four. But not only does Paul say, look, when you consider God's mercies, and you conclude from his mercies that he has earned he is entitled to your total commitment to your total total devotion that you're going to be a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god the next thing that's going to take place he talks about in romans chapter 12 is you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind in other words he's saying you're not just going to be able to pull yourselves up by the bootstrap and say I'll just even be more holy. I'll be even more pleasing. I'll even be more alive for God. I'm just gonna do that. You're not gonna be able to do that on your own. And he says in verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Being renewed by your mind. You see, he has so much more in mind for us than just to be mere conformance. It is so easy to conform to things. I remember as a, as a boy, and I'm sure you do too, how you talked to someone about being a copycat. Oh, you're just a copycat. You just did that or said that because you saw someone else. You're just a copycat. God says don't be copycats. In the spiritual realm, that is not becoming to you. You are better than that. I expect more of you than just being a copycat. The world would love for us to fall into that fray and just be copycats and be full of divisiveness and, and hatred and anger and just so many things that where the world just loves that company of misery. God says, I want you to live transformed lives. And you live that by being renewed in your mind and that comes from what Hebrews would say in chapter 3 and chapter 12. Let us fix our thoughts on Jesus. Paul would say to the church in Colossae. Set your mind and your heart on things above. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 Paul would write. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Are being transformed into his image. With every increasing glory which comes from the Lord. Renewal. True renewal, renewal that makes a difference, isn't just about having resolutions here at the first of the year, but real renewal takes place when we let our thoughts, our mind, our hearts, dwell on Jesus, dwell on him, and the kind of life that he lived, the sacrifice that he made, and how we in turn can see that as we're letting our thoughts and our minds dwell on him, that this transformation is taking place. You know, I don't know how all that works. I know, for example, that when I'm eating a carrot, I don't have to look at this carrot and say, Now, when I eat you, carrot, I want you to help my eyesight. Or banana, when I eat you, I want you to help my potassium level. I don't have to give food a pep talk to tell what it needs to do to help me physically speaking. And it's the same thing being in God's Word. If we just spend more time, not just being a people of his word, but being a people in his word, then this transformation is taking place, you may not notice it, but those around you will. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That happens when we allow God's mind, when we let God's will, when we let God's promises become a part of our lives in our heart. And the result of this, listen to how he says this. He began with therefore, Romans 12, 1, therefore, I urge you, and then he kind of concludes with then, therefore, then. And here's what's gonna happen at the very end in chapter 12, verse two. Then, once you have considered God's mercies, once you have convinced yourself that total commitment and devotion to Him is what He has earned and is entitled to, and that you're going to really arrive at that by being transformed, you're not going to be copycats, you're going to be transformed by the renewing your mind, then here's what's going to happen. You will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The result of these thoughts is life-changing. We'll be focused on what God's will is for our lives, and we can rest assured that as we focus on what His will for our lives, we never have to live with a sense of regret, thinking, oh, if I've done something different. No, because every time we encounter God's will for our lives, we find something that is good, we find something that is pleasing, and we find something that is perfect. That's God's mandate for us. That's why Paul is urging us to consider his verses. That's why Paul is saying that total commitment to him is reasonable. That our renewing of our mind and the transformation that takes place is reasonable. These are things that you know we need to dwell on, pray about, but we also need to make sure that now they're gonna energize us. And that's why I really encourage you to be here for these next three Sundays, not because of anything I'm gonna have to say, but I really want you to see how Paul is going to paint this very clear, powerful, inspirational message of what that looks like, of what it looks like to be living a life that is pleasing to God, that is holy, a life that is renewed day by day as we spend time in his word. And and here's what I would really encourage you to do. And I, I guess I, I all I can do is urge you, because <laughs> I can't I can't command you. But if I could I would. Um, I want to urge you to read Romans chapter 12 every day for the rest of the month. Now, if that's too much, then at least read verses 3 through 8 before next week. At least 3 through 8, because that's where we're going to get our message from, 3 through 8. But here's where this will allow us to let the rubber meet the road and really make a difference so it's not just an intellectual experience that we're going through here. But as you're reading through, and I hope you do all of them, the whole chapter, but if you just do three through eight, I assure you that before you start, if you'll just pray and say, God, I want you just to let something jump off the page. That I'm going to read today that hits me right between the eyes. It hits my heart squarely that I know you need for me to be like, and you will find something. You're going to read something there. Oh, wow. That, oh, that was for me. That's something I need to focus on. And so I want you to find your sermon every day during the rest of the month not just me, I want you to think about it because as you're thinking about that then you're going to be preaching a more powerful sermon in the circles where you live than I could ever preach but the key is as you read through Romans chapter 12 verses 3 through 21 through the rest of the chapter be looking for those thoughts where God is saying this is intended for me this is something that I need to be praying about, that I need to be more devoted to, that I need to be more conscious of and conscientious about in terms of being the kind of life that is pleasing to God. So I encourage you to do that. There's no question that when Paul is talking about the gospel, that, that there is nothing he'd rather do than share the gospel with people, with sharing good news. And he says if we can live like Romans chapter 12, then we'll also have that same desire to share good news because we'll understand that God's will, which is so perfect, which is so good, which is so complete for all of us that that we'll actually be the kind of difference makers in our world that will impact people for eternity. The gospel in a word is Jesus. We celebrate Jesus Because in 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul would talk about the gospel, he'd really say the essence of the gospel, as I delivered at first importance, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It always comes back to Jesus. This morning, we have the opportunity to reflect again, as we do every week, on the sacrifice of Jesus and what that means to us. It's because Jesus was totally committed to us that he went to the cross. He didn't just talk about it or think about it or imagine. He actually went to that cross. And so we're going to have the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper together, commune with God, commune with one another, reflecting on what Jesus has done for us and how we should, in turn, be totally committed to him.